Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. We welcome in a man whose time in the big leagues you could say spanned for over a decade. An 11-year vet who had a career 281 batting average with 773 runs, 265 doubles, 72 triples, 71 homers, 490 RBI, and 185 stolen bases. This man was a wizard in getting on base, hitting triples, and stealing hits away like it's going out of style. The man who had the best finishing flair in his swing and my number one favorite player of all time, ladies and gentlemen, it is D-Span, the Nard Dog, and it is time to get denarded in here. Let's get denarded. Let's get denarded in here. Let's- What's up, man? What's going on? How you doing, David? Pretty good, man. How are you doing? I'm really happy you could join the show today. Oh, man, I appreciate you having me, man. I, I want to say I apologize. I know you, you know, you've been asking for some time and, you know, I finally got back to you and I, you know, I'm happy to be here, man. Hey, I know we we're talking a little bit before the show started. Just the fact that you gave me the time, I like I, it's more than appreciated, man. I, um, regardless of, you know, how long it takes to, to coordinate it, it's just, I know your time is valuable. So, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And like we said before, number one favorite player all time. And uh, it's honestly a dream come true for me. And there, there's a lot I want to talk to you about your career, but I just want to make sure before we get started, is everything good with the with the Span family and and everything kind of with the weird times that we're in right now? Yeah, man. I, everybody is, is good. It's actually my uh, my youngest son's birthday today. So he, he turned two. And um, yeah, everybody's healthy. Everybody's great. And but today, you know, we're going to be celebrating my uh, my two year old now and, you know, making sure he has a great day. Oh man! Well, happy birthday uh, to your two-year-old. You guys got any? Uh, you guys doing like a big, uh, like outdoor party celebration for him? Or uh, this like week, a- this uh, Saturday? Yeah, we're gonna have just a you know small, intimate group of, of family and close friends uh, to come celebrate with him. That's awesome. Well, uh, I definitely won't hold you up a, a lot today, especially on a big day of your son's birthday. And uh, but I'll get it started right with your career here. Raised by a single mom in Tampa who, when researching you, you kind of worked, she worked as a claims adjuster and a daycare operator. And, you know, this is, you know, waiting back with your time in high school and everything like that. How was it, ra- how was it being raised by a single mom who worked multiple jobs? And how did that shape you as to the man that you are today? Um, at times it was challenging, you know, um, you know, my parents got divorced when I was, I think, three, four years old. And at that age, you know, I, I had no idea, you know, what the meaning of, you know, my parents separating. Um, so, you know, as a kid, you know, I always, you know, wondered or, or, or envied or, or thought, um, you know, how come, you know, there's not a male figure in my life to, to play catch with me or to, you know, teach me how to, um, you know, go fishing or, or you know, just do like uh, male type things. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, it was challenging, you know, having that missing component in my life. Um, but on the flip side, the positives that it gave me was, you know, I, I, I was able to witness my mom, um, you know, just just her strength, you know, her going to work every day, um, you know, her, you know, taking care of me, me and my, my, my older brother. Um, you know, honestly, like I don't I, it's hard for me to imagine, um, you know, making it to the major leagues if I would have if, if my life would have been different just from the standpoint of, um, you know, not having that father figure and always kind of having, you know, some sort of, you know, resentment. Um, it, it, 
it drove me to, you know, want to, you know, just be that much more successful. And, and um, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder, you know what I mean? I think more so um, than, than a lot of other, you know, children. And, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't hatred or anything like that, but it just was, um, you know, I, I always felt like the odds were against me. The odds were always against my mom. And so it, it transferred on to it being the odds are against me. So I always felt like I had something to prove to get people's attention. I mean, you really did prove it to everybody. So you, I mean, you showed out from high school to college and to the pros. And in high school, I was kind of researching. Not only did you play baseball, but you played football too. You won your state baseball championship at Tampa Catholic as a junior. And as a senior, good God, you hit 490, which is unbelievable. But you could have also played college football as a wide receiver. Were you actually getting recruited by Florida to do that as well? Yeah, well, the the the... the what what ended up happening was I'd signed a, a baseball scholarship to play at Florida. Um, but right before I got drafted, you know, we had sent all my recruitment recruiting tape to them. You know, I was kind of, I was, I was undersized, you know, for a wide receiver. I had one scholarship offer and that was uh, to university of South Florida, which is right here in my hometown of Tampa. Um, so I, I, I didn't come on the scene until like towards the end of my senior year where, you know, school started noticing me. And so um, I didn't want to go to, to, to USF here in Tampa. So I, I wanted, I always wanted to, uh, you know, either go to Florida or Florida State. And so my my avenue or my route was to sign a baseball scholarship. But then once I did that, I started sending my, you know, my, um, my, 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 my game film and, and recruiting tape um, to all the football coaches there. And, you know, when they saw that, they were, you know, of course, they were like, what, you know, where's this guy been? And, you know, we, we didn't even know about him, but. They, you know, they told me like at the time, they're like, if you don't sign to play baseball, you you have a spot on this team. So um, they ended up going to college. I ended up getting drafted, and, mm-hmm. and that was that ended up being my my path. Yeah, and speaking of getting drafted, you were selected by the uh, Twins with the 20th overall pick in 20 in the 2000, uh, 2002 Major League Draft, but you turned down a pre-draft deal with the Colorado Rockies, and you fell to that 20th pick. Do you kind of, in hindsight, do you wish you didn't turn down that pre-draft deal? Or are you kind of at the time where you like, you know what, this is where I'm supposed to be. No complaints with how the process played out. Well, you know what, back then, obviously I was, I was, it was a long time ago. I was, I was very young, I was 18 years old. And um, I don't remember all the specifics. I remember letting my agent, you know, take care of, you know, a lot of those conversations um, but what I do remember is that the, the Colorado Rockies had the ninth pick that year. And I, they were considering me a, a dual sport athlete. You know what I mean? Even though I didn't have a scholarship. And so they were trying to split up my money, which is what they would do with dual sport athletes back in those days. They would try to, you know, instead of it being a, a one-year signing bonus, they would, you know, try to split it in three or four years or something like that. And, and you know, and and pay out that money during during that span and so i remember you know the ninth pick the year before got a certain amount of money and all along it was like okay like my thing our thing was we got to get more money than what the ninth pick got the year before because that's that's how it always was back then traditionally it was like you know if the ninth pick got a million dollars let's just say then in 2001, in 2002, the ninth pick has to get at least 1.2, right? Like mm-hmm. inflation, if you will. And so 
I remember them, you know, the, the, the offer was, was less than what the guy got the year before. So we turned it down and, and, um, you know, no regrets at, at all. You know, I ended up, ended up being where, you know, I was supposed to be. And, you know, I, I can look back almost, yeah, almost 20 years later and, and, and say, you know, I was thankful that I got drafted by, by the Minnesota Twins. I'm thankful you got drafted by the Minnesota Twins, man, because uh, we talked about that's, that's my team. And yeah. from 2003, 2007, rose up through the minor leagues. 08 spring training comes. You're going head to head with Carlos Gomez for the starting center field job, which ultimately you don't get it. But then you come back April 6th, not too long later to replace Michael Kadire against the Royals. And you have your first major league game you go to right there. How is that? How are the emotions that first game for you? Man, that was that was like a dream come true for me, man. Like I, you know, I had spent almost six years in the minor leagues. You know, been playing baseball since the age of five, and you know, it's every kid's dream to, you know, get get that call to the big leagues. And you know, I just remember um, even coming into spring training that year. Um, it was it was the it was the the first year that Tory Hunter was gone. He had signed to go to Anaheim. And, you know, I, I had always been the guy behind him and, and waiting to, you know, take take the throne, if you will. And, you know, as soon as he left, we ended up that was the same offseason. We traded Johan Santana. That's how we got Carlos Gomez. And mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, came into spring training and, you know, got sent down. You know, I didn't you know, I felt like I did enough to to show them I was ready to play in the big leagues. But, you know, that they decided to go, you know, in the direction of Carlos Gomez and. And so I had to, you know, swallow my, I had to swallow, I want to say my pride, but, it, you know, I had to swallow a tough pill and, and go back to AAA. And then, you know, a week or two later after that, you know, Kadir goes down and, and uh, you know, I get the call to, to, to come up to replace him. So, yeah, it was, it was just a, a dream come true, um, a moment that I'll never forget. It's interesting, too, because you go to AAA and, or, you, you know, the time that you're with the Twins, you hit 258. The Twins send you back down to AAA. But then over the next 40 games, you hit 340. And you slash 340, 434, and 481. And you were recalled to finish the rest of the 2008 season where you hit 294, 387, 432 slash with six homers, 47 RBI, and seven triples in 93 games. This is where I started kind of falling in love with you as a player around this point. So I'm curious, what did you make any adjustments once you get sent down or once you said got sent down to AAA during that time that you feel were really beneficial and big for you for your kind of resurgence to the major leagues? Well, first and foremost, like to go back to even this that entire year, like I I honestly, you know, I was I was I was on a mission. Um, You know, I I felt a certain way, you know, when the twins went and went and traded for Carlos Gomez. I'm going to be honest Mm -hmm. with you. And so remember that chip I told you about that I had from yeah. that, that, that chip had been knocked off my freaking shoulder. And so, you know, I, I knew that I, you know, it, it was, I was at a point in my career where it was a make or break, you know, time for me. It was either I was going to ascend to be an everyday major leaguer, or I was going to always be that four, you know, that four a player up and down bench player. And so I was on a mission. Um, so I, I, I remember obviously getting called up for Kadire the first time and I remember being overwhelmed, like from the standpoint of like the bright lights, you know, just being in the major leagues for the first time. And, you know, I wasn't ready, you know, from this, from that standpoint, I was ready, like from a skill standpoint, but not from like everything that the big leagues has to offer um, on an everyday basis. So 
I remember getting sent back down um, when Kadire got back healthy and I went back to AAA and I remember telling myself like, okay, like now I know what it's about. I know what to expect and I'm going to prepare down in AAA. I'm going to use my, I'm going to use Rochester AAA um, from a mental standpoint. I, I'm, I'm going to use that as that, as, as my big leagues, if you will. Like every time I walked into the Rochester locker room, I I I, I envisioned myself walking into the locker room of Minnesota. Every, all of my drills, everything, just from a mind, mental mindset, I was preparing for that opportunity. You know, when it when when I was hoping that it, when it would come back. And um, so just yeah, so when I went back down to AAA, it just was like, you know, I, I'm I'm prepping myself for that. And you know, lo and behold. Michael Godire gets hurt again and the rest is history. I, you know, I was just ready to go. Yeah. It's kind of interesting and you don't have to comment on this, but like being a twins fan, I've talked to a couple twins. I've talked to Matt Garza. I talked to Matt caps, talked to a couple other guys. It's interesting. Just kind of peeking behind the curtain. I think the twins organization at that point, just the way they handle players is kind of interesting. You hear it from your guys' perspectives. And it's my, I'm thinking obviously Carlos Gomez is the big acquisition from the Santana trade. So even though he's not, re- he's not ready, the fact is like, we have to play him. The fans won't, will throw a fit if he's not in there every single day because this is who we got for our franchise player. But that sucks because it, it's someone like you who should be stepping in there and should be there from day one you don't get the chance to go out and do that. And to be honest with you, a 258 average while you're in the big, that's not bad. It's not like you're like hitting under 200. The yeah. fact that they were sending you down with, with the numbers that you had, it's kind of like you would want that player to continue to grow. So yeah. um, that was the toughest thing that that was, I think that was the first time in my career where like, I understood this is a business, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and sometimes, you know, you, you're going to be on the wrong end of that business side or business decision or business side. Everything you just said about um, the acquisition of Carlos Gomez for Johan Santana was accurate. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Carlos, Carlos Gomez is a dog. He can play. Mm-hmm. He had tools. He had skills. But coming into that situation, I knew that I, I knew what I was up against because he was the highlight of that trade. You know, we had just traded arguably the best pitcher in the game at that time, Johan Santana. So I, you know, realized that or I understood that there was pressure on the organization to put him in the big leagues. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, once again, it was it was just another part of my story. You know what I mean? I had to I had to deal with that. I had to, you know, swallow that and and, and lick my wounds and, and say, what are you going to do about that? You're going to. You know, you're going to fold your tent, go home and, and accept that or you're going to step up to the challenge and and, you know, show everybody, you know, the Minnesota Twins, you know, that this is a mistake. And I took that challenge. You really did, man. I mean, you basically play the next few years with the Twins and again, they're just such a staple in that lineup. The leadoff man we had been needing for so long and the Twins make sure that they pay you. You get a five year, 16 and a half million dollar deal with the Twins. You get the bag. And over your Twins career, you hit 284, 357, 389. You actually have close to the walks and strikeouts are actually kind of close, 254 to 321, which in today's day and age is like unbelievable because no one gets that close most of the time in today's game. But 90 steals, strong defense gave you a 15.9 wins above replacement. You also got the first hit, which was a triple in the Twins new ballpark during exhibition game. 
and you tied the made the modern day major league baseball record by hitting three triples in one game against Detroit. I remember that game very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so your time with the twins, do you have a favorite memory? A favorite memory with the twins. Oh my God. Probably it's, that's, it's a tough question because I was there for, you know, a long time and, you know, we had, a, I felt like we had a lot of unbelievable moments. Um, I think from a team standpoint, uh, game 163, you know, mm-hmm. not right. Um, I, I just look at, you know, just the team that we had, we had a really good team, but you know, we were being in Minnesota, we were always the underdogs. We were yeah. always the team that people counted out and, um, I remember, I can't remember specifically how many games we had to um, make up in order to even force that game 163. But I, if I remember correctly, like with like a week and a half left in the season, I think we, you know, we, 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 we were behind the, uh, when I say, them, yeah, we were behind the Detroit by like, like five games or something like that with like a week and a half to go. And we were able to make that up and force that to a game 163. And so it just was, a, that was a, a, just a, a special um, and magical moment. One of the things I also remember is one of the games against the White Sox where you tied the game on a triple against Bobby Jenks. Yeah, that's, that, that's single-handedly my my favorite sing, um, personal moment right there because I didn't – well, I cut you off. But go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, uh, because I, I'm, I'm the type of guy, like, most times you watch my career, I don't show much emotion. I just – you know, I'm, I'm out there, I do my job, and and that, that was – that was – uh. That was a moment where everything that I had gone through that year, because that was my rookie year, you know what I mean? Having to, you know, go through the politics of the game, go back to AAA and, you know, you know, do all of that stuff and, you know, come up finally to the major league, get my opportunity. And, you know, I'm, I'm playing well, but that was like my first like moment where it was like, I, I don't know, it's, just, it's hard to explain, but it was, you know, just all of my emotions from the roller coaster of, of, of that season. It, it it came you know it came all out once I once I slid in the third it was I mean I don't know if you got the clip but that, I mean that that was that was probably every time I watch it I, I get goosebumps I have the clip but for some reason like the one I started out with um yeah. it didn't uh it didn't like transfer over as uh clean I, I'll play the sound or I'll have it's like on the side here so you can see okay it. okay but this this the call too this here I'll put it on screen yeah bouncer. I forgot that it doesn't uh the sound yeah, I can't. it was saying tap for sound so maybe maybe that was it maybe I didn't tap it but what were you saying I was saying like you could just hear the emotions in the uh in the the guys voices the people calling the game and like you said you see yourself like going there your your fist bumping you're like like you don't see that from me you're right yeah and uh it's incredible man it was like that that was when I think Twins Nation was like Denard Span is here and he's not going anywhere yeah, I, that, that's why I, I think that's where the emotion came out because it was like, I'm here to stay. Like, I'm, I'm. This isn't no fluke. Like, this is this is my job. This is my spot. You know, I, I was groomed to 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 be you know a Minnesota Twins center fielder, and I'm 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 I'm, I'm posting my stake here. Um, you know, so yeah, it was a special moment. Yeah, and um, 
Obviously, you had some good years in Minnesota. I was very shocked. I know your name had been floated around in trade rumors in the past because the Twins kind of were fluctuating out of contention. You were obviously one of the most attractive pieces on that team. You were you considered a, a very team-friendly contract, great locker room presence, great defensive player, leadoff guy. Like You had every check mark like down your name there. And yep. you were traded eventually to the Nationals, which I was like, you know what? He's going to get traded from my favorite team. At least he's going to be traded to the team that I can watch every single day on my TV. Yeah. So I, was, I was like, I guess that's the, the one silver lining in the trade. You go for Alex Meyer. And, and I remember, you know, at that time, message boards were a big deal. And every single buddy on, on the Twins message board was like, why do we do this? Like Alex Meyer, this is, you know, if we're trading Denard Span, a, a bigger package than this. I was I was shocked at eventually how things kind of went down there. Were you blindsided with the trade? I mean, like we said, kind of it was floated out there, but did they at least give you a call before you were traded? Yeah, I got a call. Terry Ryan, who was the GM at the time, he 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 hit me up uh, before before the the trade actually went public. You know what I mean? He, yeah, so he he definitely um, gave me a heads up, which I appreciated. Um, as far as blindsided. Uh, like you said, it, um, I think the, the the trade rumors had started the year before. And, you know, I, I was surprised because I wasn't surprised when, when the trade actually went down. I was more surprised the, the year prior to that once my name started being um, thrown up in, in trades and stuff like that. And the reason being was because, you know, I, I, I signed a team-friendly contract, and it was honestly to stay in Minnesota. You know what I mean? I, I thought that when, when I signed that contract for five years, I thought that I would be there for at least four, at least four of those years. And here it is. I'm in the, I think the second year of that contract and, you know, I, I'm getting talked about being traded. So um, from that standpoint, you know, that it, it caught me off guard, um, you know, bothered a little bit because, you know, once again, I, I, I bled twins colors and, um, and, but other than that, you know, like I said, Terry hit me up and, and you know, I, I was obviously down for a second. But once I, you know, um, I, I think once I realized, you know, I was going to a, a pretty special ball club in, in the Nationals. They had a lot of talent. Um, they were on the ascend. Mm-hmm. And I, I got I got really excited. Yeah. One of the guys on the ascend there was Bryce Harper, who once you got there, he moved to left field, kind of took some pressure off defensively. You took over center and you kind of seemed like you were a mentor to him, kind of had that mentorship role. What was it like being in the outfield with Bryce? It was awesome, man. You know, he's, um, you know, at that time, I think he might've been like 20, 19, 20, 20, you know, I don't even think he was 21 yet. So, um, you know, he was just wet, wet behind the ears. And, uh, you know, my, I, I just tried to, you know, and also too, he was, he was new to playing outfield as well. And so, um, so, you know, I, I just, from a day on a daily basis would, you know, just try to, you know, give him little, you know, pointers and tips that, you know, I, that helped me to try to, you know, help him improve his outfield, uh, his outfield skills. And, um, but you, you know, you're talking about a guy that, you know, every day he brought it, you know, you didn't have to worry about um, his effort and, and, you know, his desire to win and, um, and obviously his skill set. So um, in a lot of ways, you know, we we learned a lot from each other. So, you know, he was uh, uh, one of my my favorite teammates for sure. Yeah. One of the things that was really cool about you coming to Washington is, well, like I said, I was able to watch the games and kind of just hear you talk and, and kind of hear you talk about your game, hear the announcers talk about your game a lot more. And one of the things that I never realized until it was brought on a broadcast one time is that you bar- you almost never dove for balls is because you played the the outfield so well 
And yeah. people don't understand that. They look for the flashy plays like, oh, he's making diving catches. He's a great center fielder. Yeah. You were such a great outfielder that you had the track to the ball, the way you would go, the routes you would take. You didn't yeah. need to dive. And that was brought up on a broadcast one time. Now, is that just from like the mix of when you played football, being able to track the ball, doing that? Was it just like, how did you learn to become such a good defensive center fielder? I think, yeah, I think for sure football definitely helped me as far as just, you know, learning how to, you know, time up or learning how to, you know, run direct routes. Um, so for sure, yeah, football, you know, I was a wide receiver in football, so that definitely helped. Um, I think, well, I, I didn't like to dive head first. Like mm-hmm. I would, I would, you know, I would kind of like slide, like a sliding catch. I would do that, but as far as like laying my body out, like straightforward. I just never, you know, honestly, I, I never could do it, to be honest. And and I, I think I did it once when I was a kid and I got hurt. And so from that that moment on, I was like, you know what, I don't, I'm not going to do that because, you know, just so many different injuries, you know, shoulders. I've seen guys, you know, throw their shoulders out, you know, landing, you know, uh, you know, landing onto the ground and, um, you know, just in, a, in an awkward way. And so for me, it was like I, I made sure that, you know, my jumps were on point and made sure that my routes were on point so that I didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? And, and so I think, I think in a lot of ways that that penalized me, you know, as far as this is before all the analytics were out, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And people were getting gold gloves for, you know, making all the spectacular diving catches. And, you know, my, my catches weren't as spectacular, but I think it was because of what you just said. Yeah. And I think the really hardcore baseball fans know you should have some gold gloves back there. Cause yeah. One and that 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 bothers me. I should have at least one, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, but there was one thing you do have that. Uh, do you remember your hit streak? Do you remember how long it was? Twenty nine, I think. I believe. Yeah, twenty nine yeah. games, and yeah. um, you lost it against the Marlins. But I mean, twenty nine. That was the most I believe up since twenty thirteen when Kadire had a twenty seven game one. So you basically had the longest one uh, in a long time. So what was it like during that history? Like were you, did you, well, two questions. One, did you feel ultimately like you were like super locked in more than you normal, like normally were? And then number two, when does the hit streak register? Like, is it at 10 games? You're like, all right, I got a history going. When is, when does that kick in? I definitely felt like I was locked in. Um, that whole season, you know, it was my first year in, in DC. So like it was, it was uh, like a culture shock for me. You know, I'd been in the twins organization for 10 years and so now, you know, I, I move on from there and now, you know, I'm, you know, having to try to get comfortable with all of our, you know, the hitting coaches and this and that and people that don't really like know me, know me. And so for that whole year, it was just like an up and down offensive year for me. I, I never really got hot, never really got in the, um, locked in. And then it wasn't until around this time, which was like, I think it was like August and you know, early September where I finally got locked in and, um, as far as me realizing the hit streak, I don't think I realized it until I was, I knew I was locked in. I knew I was getting, you know, a couple hits a day for like a week, week and a half, but it wasn't until like maybe game 15 where I was like, okay, this is something special. And it wasn't until um, <laughs> this, this one particular day in the middle of the streak, this one particular game, I didn't start. It was a left-handed pitcher. For whatever reason, Davey Johnson wanted to give me a break. and um, But anyway, so he pinch hits me in the eighth inning <laughs> against another lefty. 
against a lefty and and I ended up getting a hit. And but he had no freaking idea that I had a 15, 16 game hit streak until I, until the next day. Um, I heard from my first base coach, Tony Tarasco. He uh, he mentioned to Davey Johnson. It was like he's like you know that, you know that was that was a hell of a, a batter hit for Denard to keep that hit streak going. And he said Davey Johnson's face was like like what do you mean? <laughs> He was oblivious to the fact that I had a 16, 17 game hit streak and he was pinch hitting me against a tough lefty in the eighth, ninth inning with, you know, chances are I was not going to get another at bat. Um, but I think that was when it was like, okay, I'm locked in. I, there's something special. And uh, even when he said that to me, I think that's when I realized, okay, yeah, I guess obviously what I am doing is special. So yeah, I'm a pretty cool story there. Yeah, man. I, I didn't remember that, that it was that one at, uh, that one at bat against the lefty that you did that with playing the Mets matter of fact I can't you know I don't I remember who I was who who started or who I who I even got the hit off of but I do remember playing the Mets and I did not start and honestly when he pinch hit me I didn't even think about I wouldn't even think about a, 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 a hit streak I really wasn't I, I didn't care at that at that at that uh, given moment I think it, when I when I start when I got to around 20 games that's when it was like okay like I'm all in let's go like you know I want to try to extend this as, as long as possible but that's when I started to, you know, feel the heat and the pressure. Yeah. Keep it going. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Like, like you said, when you get around that twenty game mark, you have like TV keeping track of it too. Like, you yeah. know, I know Sports Center will like lead off on you to like thirty or whatever. They're like you're at bat is the first thing they're showing on TV. I I can't yeah. even imagine that type of pressure that's starting to go around you once you get to those types of numbers for sure. It was cool, man. I, I tried to once again. I tried to be as cool, calm, and collected as possible. But I remember I, it ended on 29. The day before it ended, I got I got a hit against the Marlins on my last at bat, and that's another time where I showed emotion. I, I came around first and I kind of like slapped my hand like that. <laughs> and, uh, that was when it was over because I was like I was I was too focused on it, you know what I mean. And then the next night it ended, but it was you know unbelievable um, experience. And and honestly, that was a that was the first time where I felt like. Like I'm like I'm a Washington National as well because mm-hmm. it was like my first success, um, you know, offensively there. And uh, I remember after the game, I came into the locker room after I did an interview, and um, Ian Desmond led um, just like a round of applause. Everybody was was waiting for me, you know, standing up. They hadn't they hadn't undressed yet, and everybody just you know gave me a round of applause. So that was that was a special moment for me and feeling like you know now I'm a Washington National. I mean, your time with Washington, too. I mean, you have your 1,000th career hit at Nats Park. He had finished the 04 season hitting 302, 355, 416, but you led the National League with 184 hits, and you set the Nationals club record for hits in a single season. I mean, your time there was pretty good. I know the end of it had the sports hernia, and it kind of led to a sour note at that, but every Nationals fan I've ever talked to, it's like all the the, the mentorship role you had, the professionalism you brought in, your the the you know things that you made the everything you did with the organization as far as on the field and off the field i feel like there was nothing from the nat- time you're with the nats that you could look back and and not be happy about most definitely i mean i always say this minnesota was the organization that raised me but i felt like i became a man in the washington nationals organization where i feel like it was short-lived i wish i would have been there longer but you know i feel like my game you know blossomed in, 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 in a year and a half. I wish that, you know, my my peak, I would have got that peak at 27, 28, 29 instead of I was 30, 31. 
Um, but I just felt like, you know, I, I came into my own um, as a as a as a player on and off the field um, in D.C. Yeah. And then you move on to the Giants. You're there. You get the bag again, which I'm happy you get another paycheck from them. And then I'm more interested after the Giants where you go to your hometown Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. And that had to be just an incredible feeling playing for the team that you watched growing up. You went to the ballpark. What was that like? Oh, man, that was that was surreal. It was like a, a full circle uh, moment just in life. You know, what I mean, just to come back to where it all started, um, you know, just get an opportunity to, to, to have my mom at the games. Um, you know, she she hadn't watched me play other than on TV, you know, on an everyday basis or when she traveled to the cities I was playing in. But just to have her watch me play in person on an everyday, she hadn't. She hadn't done that since high school, so um, it just was it was special to to be back home and and uh, and just you know be able to play in front of family and friends it was it was the best best feeling ever. The last question I wanted to ask about your playing career: you finish out with the Mariners, and I don't know if you're familiar with the sites like Baseball Savant and Fangraphs, kind of the analytical sites that you can kind of track, especially for pitchers. You can see the pitches they throw, the amount they throw them, the break on movement, all that type of stuff. Your last season that you played in 2018, you hit 261, 11 homers, 58 RBIs, and nine steals. You could still play. How come you hung it up after 2018? Man, you 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 going deep today? Uh, <laughs> man, it was you know it, it, it was one of the toughest decisions I had to make. Um, you know, after that season, you know I I felt like you know I had 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 shown enough. I had shown way more than enough that. I can still play this game at a, at a high level. You know, I obviously have gotten older. I had injuries, so I, I wasn't moving the same. But I, I still felt like I had a lot in the tank and, and enough to to give um, to, to good teams. You know what I mean? Trying to pursue a championship. And um, that offseason, man, it, it, was, it was a rough offseason, you know, um, where the offers that I got were not good. You know what I mean? And, and – um, I think it just came down to principle, you know, for mm -hmm. me, um, you know, I, I felt like I was getting the same offers that guys that played way less than me, you know what I mean? And, and so for me, it was like, I, I honestly feel that if I would have had a, a terrible season in 18 or had an injury, I, I, I probably would have played two or three more years mm -hmm. because I would have had that chip on my shoulder to say, I have to go prove everybody wrong. You know what I mean? That I was hurt last year or I, I didn't play well last year. But for me, after having a productive season and then, you know, the offers that I was getting basically were, you know, minor league deals, which was deals that you got to come in and you got to prove yourself. And for me, it was like, I just proved last year I can play at a, at a high level. And so for me, it was like, I don't have anything to prove. Like I, I proved it last year and, if, 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 you know, nobody can see that, then maybe it's time for me to move on, you know, and, and, you know, just from, and also just from a personal standpoint, I, you know, I, I'd gotten married a couple of years mm -hmm. before that. Uh, we had a son and, and my wife was pregnant with the second, with my second son. And, and for me, it was like, if, if I'm going to, you know, sacrifice time away from them and, you know, bring them on this journey with me on the road and, you know, all, you know, to the West coast or wherever, like, I got to feel like I'm getting treated fairly. You know what I mean? I didn't want to, 
I, I didn't, it wasn't that I was above a minor league contract or anything like that. Like if I deserved a minor league contract, I would have signed it and I would have said, let's go strap it on. I'm going to show you guys I can still play. But I didn't feel that I needed to do that or I should be in that, that situation. So um, for me, I, I, once again, I, I felt like if I'm not going to be happy or joyful, you know, playing this game that I love so much, then I, it's time for me to remove myself and and, um, and and come home to my family. But I mean, it's a decision that, you know, still bothers me to this day that that my career ended that way. Um, you know, because I didn't get an opportunity to put any closure on my on my career. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful, thankful for, you know, the career that I had, thankful for the opportunities that I had. I played with um, some amazing organizations and, you know, had some unbelievable teammates and um, experience, you know, once in a lifetime things that, you know, people would would die for. So um, as, as bitter as it was to end that way, in a lot of ways, I'm thankful um, just for all the organizations that gave me opportunities and chances. And, and um, you know, I'm, I'm happy, you know, like I said, my, my son's birthday is today. Um, you know, life after baseball is, is different, but, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a joy as well. Yeah, I mean, I have so much respect for you for how you decided to, to end your career. Like you said, you're like, I'm not going to take, I know my worth. And if you're not going to show me that, then there's no reason for me to keep playing because I got a family at home and I got other things I can do. I don't, you know, I, I proved myself and I've done what I've needed to do. So I, I mean, already my favorite guy, even more so when hear stuff like that. And it sucks that teams didn't recognize it more because like you said, you could easily looks like had another couple seasons in you, but, um, I am interested in a couple of questions about your post career. You uh, announced that you were hired by the Tampa Bay Rays as a special assistant in baseball operations this year. I'm kind of curious what tasks like do they have you usually do when you're a special assistant? And that and then do they I know the Rays are super analytical, so are they having you do that type of stuff where you're looking at, you know, fan graphs or baseball savant and, and scouting certain players? What do you usually do for them? Uh, honestly, it's a little bit of everything. Um, what you said right there as far as from the analytical uh, standpoint of the game. Like um, um, this offseason starting to to dive into, you know, how we evaluate players, you know what I mean? And, and you know, just the different models that are put together, um, you know, to, to give us a, an edge. And and so, you know, that, that's been very um, insightful, intriguing, you know, just getting getting an opportunity to see the game from a different perspective. Right. And, um, you know, putting my ego aside, putting my experience aside um, from that aspect and, and, you know, you know, being a student of the game. And so that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is, you know, when I bring my ego back and bring my experience back and, you know, try to help the organization, you know, um, you know, whether it's from player development, um, you know, coming in, trying to be a mentor for our younger players um, and just, you know, leveraging, you know, my experience. And, you know, just I think just being a resource for the players, for the staff, um, for everybody that's involved with the with the, the organization. And that kind of brings me because I don't know if you realized that there was a Washington Post article saying that you could potentially be a candidate for the new color commentator for the Washington Nationals. That rumor stops now, right? Are you you're sticking with the Rays organization in that role? Yeah, I haven't heard anything uh, from Masson or, or from from D.C. to Nationals or anything about that. Um, I, I saw that article. I, I was real flattered that they mentioned me, but. Um, yeah, I haven't heard anything from that. So yeah, I, I don't plan to, uh, to leave, you know, my, my, my position. Would you do that if the Rays came calling for a color commentary? Would you do it? 
Yeah, I'd be open to it. I'd be open just to the challenge of of of, of doing it, just to see if I enjoy it and see if I'm good at it. So I would definitely be open to you know doing it with the Rays or anybody, to be honest. I think you'd be awesome at it. I know the the exact excerpt from the post article was that your aggressive play style, speed, defensive flair, but in interviews you talk straightforward, have one of the brainiest uh, minds in baseball, and that would be a good fit. I would love to see you on the on the mic. So maybe one day. You could do like a, a dual role, like part time color, do some front offs. That'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, I would definitely be open to that, man. And uh, you know, I got to get me a microphone like like the one you have. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, man. Yeah, that, that would be a cool. That, that would be cool. That'd be cool. Um, you know, you, you never know. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my all of my options open right now. I love that. Can you tell us about your nonprofit that you and your wife founded called the Denard Span Foundation? Uh, Foundation. Yeah, so um, yeah, our foundation has has been around now for sure—it's almost a decade—and um, it is geared towards helping single mothers and, and empowering them um, through. We have three programs. We have a transportation program where every year we give you know two or three families you know brand new transportation and um, you know help them get into reliable transportation. Um, the, the, our second program is um, a grocery program where we you know we we put them on. Um, a program and a system with that, with their groceries. Um, and then the third one is an educational program that we haven't qu- quite kicked off yet. We're still trying to figure out how we want to do that as far as whether it's helping high school kids or, or helping high school kids transitioning into to college with a scholarship. But um, obviously the inspiration came from, or the, the inspiration came from, you know, being raised by a single mother and, you know, all the families that we, that we uh, help are, Ninety nine point nine percent single mothers, and um, you know that that's something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, you know, watching you know my mom, um, you know, do what she did as far as raising me, and and now you know being a father, and, and but having both parents in the house, like I don't know how you know these single mothers and these single parents find the strength um, to you know to be able to work and and come home and raise their kids. So um, our job is just trying to. Um, alleviate some of the the pressure and and some of the um the hardships that these families have and i love it too because if you check out your social media you're very involved with your foundation too like uh, looking at your twitter you're just like every other post is about something with your foundation and something you're involved with which it's like one thing when you you start it and you talk about it but you're also being about it too which i think not enough athletes do and it's just even more of a reason why it's not just a great cause but the fact that you you stand behind everything that you do and you're showing it. It's definitely, it's truly awesome. Most definitely, man. Like this is, I'd be lying to you. I'm being honest with you. Like there's, there's times when it, you know, gets discouraging because it's, you know, it's a lot of work and a lot of it is us asking for people support. And I've never been a guy that liked to ask people for anything. And so, um, but to transition to like once we, you know, do something special and, and we're able to, you know, bless these families and you see the reaction of, um, a life-changing moment for these families, it it does something to you. You know what I mean? It does something to me at least, and you know, it touches my heart, and it keeps me, you know, wanting to 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 grow my foundation and and just do more. So um, this is for sure my my foundation is like my why. This is my my purpose. Uh, I really feel like yeah. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I, I got a phone call. My fault. <laughs> uh, we're talking with the Nard Span. One of the best defensive outfielders to ever play the game on base machine and should be a gold glover. 
very should be a gold glove. I don't know why there's not one behind him on his mantle there. Denar, we'd like to get our guests out of here with a little rapid fire. Something that some questions you probably have never been asked before. You game? Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Question one. Hit a home run or make a web gem? Web gem. My man. Go a month wearing a cape or an eye patch? A cape. All right. <laughs> Dunkaroos, Scooby-Doo fruit snacks, or Wonder Ball? Uh, Dunkaroos. I'm on board. All three for three so far. You versus Carlos Gomez, both in your primes in a 40-yard dash. Who wins? <laughs> Ooh, I, 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 I'm not going to ever say I'm going to lose anybody. I'm, I'm going to first <laughs> say that. So out of respect for him, I'm going to say it's, it's, it's a tie. Ah, there we go. I'm like, hey, that's, that's the competitiveness. That's, that's, that, that means I got a lot of respect for him because I hey. don't never say nobody can beat me in nothing, especially in my prime. That <laughs> mindset I was brought up with. You can't. I don't see anybody. But he was a dog. He 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 was explosive, fast, and I, I I I'm able to concede to a tie. All right, I dig it. I dig it. Would you rather be able to talk to your past self or your future self? Ooh, that's a good one there. Uh, my future self. And would you any advice you give him? Anything specific? Um, my future self would would it would probably I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but it would probably be something dealing with my past, something like the mistakes that I made in my past to remind myself, hey, you know, when you're down and out or, you know, when you feel like, you know, the world is against you or you feel like, you know, um, yeah, when you just, yeah, I, I would remind myself that, hey, I've accomplished something that's unbelievable and something that's great. And, you know, I did it once. Go do it again. I love it, man. Would you rather have dinner with Morgan Freeman or Samuel L. Jackson? I go Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, I, I pick him too. Uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Why not? Because it's just not. I don't know. It's two slices <laughs> of bread. Eh, no. Uh, <laughs> not where I'm from. It's not a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is an important question. Do you pull your toilet paper from the top or the bottom? I think I do both. What? I think so. It, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever. Because I'm wondering. I'm, I'm. I'm trying to. I'm trying to picture if I have both hands or if I got my phone in my hand. <laughs> so it it, it 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 could depend on you know how many hands I have free. I guess I don't know. You don't put the roll on the same way each time where you have to be able to pull it. No, I don't. I don't. It right, just well, throw it on there. What, what, what do you do? I'm I'm a bottom guy, man. Like I think it's like easier just to scoop from the bottom. Like I feel like I can get a cleaner pull off of it. I don't know. You're probably yeah. You you're right about that. But I I never thought about that. I'm I'm, I'm gonna definitely start paying attention to that. <laughs> I like all right. Last one. I'm ask you. Most likely to happen: you hitting a home run off Jacob Degrom right now, or me getting a base hit off of a single A pitcher with no baseball experience, past playing a little bit in high school. You probably getting a hit off a single leg player. I give you that. Oh, really? Oh man, I was excited. That. That. I give you that. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine trying to hit a home run off the ground, man. That that dude's another. Three. Right now, I haven't taken a, I haven't touched a bat in I don't know. I haven't taken a real meaningful swing since I retired. So really, yeah. 
I'm, I'm kind of shocked. I thought that maybe it's like I would go out, just like get the cage a little bit, just just. Cut. I guess you've done it for so long. It's kind of like I'm done with that type of thing. Even though I, even though, even though I, I still feel like I had some left in the tank. I emptied my clip. Like I have no regrets. That's why you know it was easy for me to make that decision. Or it was easy in, in in this aspect to make that decision because I can look myself in the mirror and know that every off season, every day. I emptied my clip. I gave everything that I had. There's no regrets from that standpoint. So I think, you know, when you do that, it's like for me, it's like I don't have a desire to even want to pick up a bat. That, that's that's my that's my 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 thinking with the logic. Hey, man, I, I completely respect it. And uh, on that note, Denard, I really appreciate you joining the show today, man. I mean, obviously, first of all, I don't even get flustered a lot when I do these interviews. I've interviewed like 50 guys plus now, and this is the first time I've been flustered in a while. So Appreciate you sticking with me through stumbling some through some stuff and um, appreciate your time. No, man, I, I appreciate it, man. I, I really enjoyed this time. You know, I, I see that you you did your research and I can tell that you're, you know, you're very passionate about what you do and you're serious about it. And, and uh, you know, I hope to hope the best for you. I hope that, you know, somebody takes notice of this and uh, gives you that that shot and that opportunity that you deserve. Denar, Denar, man, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. And um, before we get out of here, can you plug to our audience anything you want them to know, where they can donate if they want to donate to your foundation or anything that you want to leave our audience with? Yeah, if you you know if you feel so so moved to to want to donate, you can go to my website, which is denarspanfoundation.org, and there should be a donate button on there somewhere. Um, you know, much appreciated. And uh, David, once again, man, all love, respect, and. You know, we have to do this again. Hey, man. Perfect.